Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash wicked anime. It's Wicked A! The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here with another episode of Flame On. It is the month of November in the year 2020, the year that has given us five years worth of April Boo! and six weeks worth of Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I I saw a meme on uh, I think last weekend that was like from the from the year that gave you five months of April. It is day four of Tuesday. As we were awaiting the election <laughs> results, yes. Jesus well, first Christ. things, first things first. We have a new president elect. So, uh, to everybody that voted Yay! Democratic, we thank you for trying to uh, restore the soul of our nation and not let it fall uh, even closer to uh, fascism and. Um, uh, a, a dark pit of despair. Good luck, Papa Joe. But, oof, right. Good right. luck, buddy. But we have um, we have our forty sixth president, as uh, projected by all of the news outlets, including the AP, which I give BJ uh, a lot of uh, uh, props for posting the article about NPR and how they report on the presidential uh, election oh, results. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it, it helped me to kind of keep an eye on what was going on. And, and you know, because as we watched the results come in, different uh, news sources were showing different results based off of 
who they were utilizing to get their results. And uh, BJ posted a an article on Facebook about NPR and how they do it. And NPR doesn't do any of their own um, race reporting. They rely on the Associated Press, which is one of, I believe, two major... Uh, Edison, I think, is the other uh, one that is utilized by a lot of the uh, news stations. Uh, the, yeah. the, um, like Fox... Uh, not Fox, because Fox used... Uh, Associated Press, but like uh, MSNBC and CNN and um, the Associated Press. In reading this article, it, it actually made me feel a little bit calmer about a couple of things as uh, races were being called. And the Associated Press won't utilize projections. They will only call a race for a person when the opponent is who is trailing in that race has no mathematical way of overcoming the uh, disparity in votes. So when they yeah. called Arizona for Biden, it meant that there was no mathematical way for um, the other one. I don't even want to say the name because it's like Bloody Mary and, <laughs> you know, he'll pop up and, you know, Baltimore, attack me in my sleep tonight. The name has been jinxed. <laughs> the name has been jinxed. I mean, for real, it really has. Um but it, it gave a, a better understanding of how these things are, are being called and, and the fact that they don't do projections. It's based off of mathematics and this is the number of votes that we have left. This is the number of votes in between the two time. candidates. I mean, well, for sure. And it, it was uh, and it, it was a bit of, of fun when I was discussing it with some, uh, some friends and uh, they were like, well, you know, 2020 hasn't been a normal year, so I'm still a little nervous. And I was like, I get it, but, you know, math is still math, thankfully. And uh, and uh, as of Saturday morning at 11.28 Eastern, I believe it was, because I think it was like 10, yep. 10.28 here in uh, Chicago. I was, in and I, had <laughs> I was sitting in my apartment. I was sick. And had legit just talked to my neighbor on the phone about 20 minutes beforehand because uh, she was checking in on me to see how I was feeling. And we were like, yeah, we're probably not going to know anything until Monday. Like, it'll be fine. Whatever. We'll get through this weekend. And like 20 minutes later, the news <laughs> came across that it had been called, that Pennsylvania had called it. And uh, Biden had taken Pennsylvania and put him over the 270 uh, electoral college vote threshold to be declared the winner and then immediately after nevada was like no, i'm sorry nevada i've watched enough veep to to remember that it's nevada not nevada nevada, uh, <laughs> nevada. uh nevada who was like everybody was all eyes were on nevada for like a good solid day <laughs> waiting and just waiting and then pennsylvania calls it, and then nevada's like oh yeah that's right oh yeah biden won us too <laughs> and it was like <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want the spotlight on them. They fucking. They were like, you know what? Let's just let's just count slowly and wait for somebody else to announce it. Because that's what it felt like. It felt like every single state that was left was did not want to be Florida. None of them wanted to be Florida. Mm -hmm. I, I still don't understand what took Alaska so long, though. I mean, they must have only had one person counting. I all feel the like votes. that was the case. <laughs> Because they don't have that many votes. No, <laughs> they were waiting on the moose to get the the votes from one side of Alaska to the uh, oh. <laughs> to the counter. Oh. 
It was, yeah, that was amazing. I, I had heard that part of the reason why Alaska had stopped was they were uh, they had X number of days for the mail-in ballots, and they had just decided to do everything in one in one shot at the end instead of getting to like seventy five percent and then doing the mail-in ballots, um, which it didn't matter. Like I don't think I've ever seen Alaska blue. So it was kind of funny yeah. that that was a state that wasn't called. But I mean, hey, the one thing that I will say, the thing that got me through so much um, dealing with the uh, the wait for the results to come in were the memes that came out of this um, electoral cycle. And <laughs> it was... It was just, it was pure joy. Like I was saying earlier, the one that was like, you know, from the year that brought you five months of April, you know, welcome to day four of uh, of Tuesday, um, where the one where it was like a, a, uh, everyone with uh, Nevada right now, and it was the grinder screenshot of just like, like 16 bubbles that said, hey, all in a row. <laughs> like all of these things <laughs> were absolutely amazing. So... Uh, congratulations to our um, our LGBT and queer representatives that were elected, uh, our oh, yeah. people of color that were elected into office. Um, I believe two was it two queer people of color in Florida were elected into a state legislature. I believe. Yes. Yeah, uh, and then it was Delaware. That has their first trans uh, senator that was uh, elected um, in this cycle. So a lot of great things came out of it in addition to uh, even though no matter how many times people want to be out there and be, you know, quote unquote, sore losers uh, and say that, oh, well, you can't, you know, the media can't call an election. They're not just sore. They are. They're they're in the ER right now. I mean, they'll actually be in the ER from, you know, marching without masks, but, I mean... This is true. And I'll tell you one thing. Watching um, celebrations after it was called on Saturday, the first time I heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You <laughs> is that video from that gas station where people were just dancing <laughs> on the top of a car. <laughs> I swear they. I was like, they, oh, I oh oh I can start listening to Christmas music now because I heard it oh, for the first time. Actually, and then uh, we we haven't mentioned the most delicious thing that happened. Apparently, uh, I can't remember what city it was, but apparently their new police chief is uh, she's openly gay. She's a lesbian. Um, apparently, she was fired initially. Um. Because the current police chief um, or commissioner, I can't remember which uh, office seat it was. Um, it, it was the sheriff. sheriff. She, uh, she was fired by the sheriff for being gay. And she beat him out by a landslide. So she is the new um, head of head of the uh, sheriff's department. Uh, which is wonderful and delicious in every way possible. Absolutely. And a huge... Uh... Shout out and thank you to Stacey Abrams in Georgia uh, after she yes, was uh, after I'm she lost her, her her race 
she took the initiative to um to fight back in the best way possible and that was to get people active in voting get them registered and get them to the polls so that way gerrymandering and red line districts um wouldn't be able to uh downplay the will of the people in the same way that it has for years upon years including in her own uh, race for governor of atlanta and that in turn helped turn georgia blue so it may not be a huge lead and it may not be something that may always be sustainable but it was a huge huge thing and georgia uh, is still the only state out of the 50 to not be called by the Associated Press. Uh, Eric and I were chatting about that a little bit uh, earlier before we started recording. But I think that's partially because the the vote was within the margin for an automatic recount. So I feel like yep. the Associated Press is just waiting for that recount to be done because they it was an automatic one. It's not one. There you go. They have yeah, so to complete it. So that's good, you know, and hopefully uh, on Wednesday we'll just see that be a nice, shiny, you know, dark blue on the elector, uh, the 2020 election map on uh, the AP. Uh, I, I Ever since I realized that Google used the Associated Press for theirs, I just go into my search bar and, you know, it's like in the top recent searches and just pull up the map just so I can see it and have that sense of like, ah, oh, something went right. <laughs> <laughs> But it uh, it definitely was a, uh, a a a great thing to hear last weekend uh, as we're recording this. The you know the week after we've had a nice week of uh, knowing that Biden is our forty sixth president and will be on January twentieth. Um, but uh, Eric, in in uh, kind of conjunction with what you were saying about the video and hearing uh, Mariah's "All I Want for Christmas Is You." It would have been fantastic had they played uh, last Christmas and just knocked everybody out of Whamageddon <laughs> for the year. <laughs> I would have loved it. I would have loved had that been how everybody got taken out of uh, Whamageddon. Although I will say this, I don't even think I watched that video with uh, the "All I Want for Christmas Is You." I might have seen a clip, but I know that Mariah retweeted it, and uh, so I knew it happened. But I also started replacing. Um, there are definitely other clips from that gas station because I think they were dancing there for like three days straight. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I've I've already listened to a little bit of it myself because I started replacing uh, some of my vinyl records and I bought um, Two Birds One Stone again and uh, Merry Christmas on on vinyl. So of course. To uh, test it out and make sure that the uh, the vinyl works, I, I I had to listen to uh, a little Joy to the World, just get that that opening to uh, the album, and then then just move the needle over a little bit and get a little uh, just that just that intro to All I Want for Christmas Is You. Just all I needed. It's all I needed. Um, On to a little less uh, happy news. Um, I do want to take a moment before we get into our topics to um just pay a little bit of tribute to the parliament house which uh closed its doors um on november 2nd 
Yeah. November 1st was the, um, the, the last dance. They were open on Monday for a little bit at the pool bar. Um, they also apparently just got rid of all their liquor on, uh, on Monday as well. Uh, apparently, if you were in the area and you went down, you could just go get bottles. And I'm kind of mad I wasn't there to at least get some bottles. I'm out of the very <laughs> mad. I'm very mad that I, I, I swung by there after work and it was, it was all gone. I was very upset that it was all gone by the time I got off work. But if 2020 hadn't uh, taken enough from from us uh, in the business aspect, after 45 years, the Parliament House um, ceased operations at 410 North Orange Blossom Trail, and it was um, it's still surreal. I don't think I've processed it 100%, partially because I'm up here in Chicago. Um, I don't have that same, you know, I'm not right there. I'm not able to kind of commiserate and, and be around, uh, everybody, but, um, it was, it was crazy there. I'm in a group chat with a couple of, uh, friends who are, uh, either we're still working at parliament through the end or a couple of, uh, former employees and, uh, they had gotten word of court documents where the writ of possession had been um submitted to the courts a few days earlier than when the announcement went out so we kind of knew it was coming before you know the uh the official word was given to the employees and everybody but that didn't make it any easier to know that it was coming and uh it was just crazy to see 45 years of history um end right there now the owners are looking for a new property. There are have they have looked at a couple of different properties. I don't know if anything has been um, any deals have been inked yet. I know that there have been articles that have called out um, a specific place on Church Street, and I know that is one of the locations that they were looking at. Uh, it's that big, that large old um, train station that's been remodeled and just been kind of sitting there empty. Um, I do know that, that there was an interest uh, put in for that, but it was just like a preliminary, I think somebody may have done a walkthrough, um, which actually would be kind of a perfect location, um, especially if you have people that can take uh, the sunrail and stuff out to, like, you know, performers getting ready and stuff, they can just take the sunrail straight out there, perform, and if they can catch a late uh, sunrail, I, I don't know what time the sunrail runs. But um, it's actually not a terrible location um, downtown, right off, and it's right yeah. off Church Street, uh, next to Hamburger Mary's. Yep, it's across from Hamburger Mary's, and uh, Blue is opening House on Church um, over there. So uh, there's going to be performance space. I think there might be two performance spaces for Blue over there. Um, so it'd be nice to gay up Church Street a bit. But again, it's not a done deal. It's not something that's been, you know, um, that's official just yet. I, maybe it's because of 2020. Maybe it's because I know the Parliament House <laughs> and the people who uh, who run it. And I love them to death. But I, I like to make sure that um, everything is in place and running before I, I get super excited about anything i want to make sure that you know it's able to open and be what it's supposed to be when it comes down to it i guess is really what i should say so 
um, you know, 45 years of being a part of LGBTQIA history, uh, eight years of being part of my professional history, and, um, you know, probably about 10 or so, 10, 12, 13 years of uh, a part of my life in Florida and, you know, right before I moved, uh, you know, Bear Bust and the Bear Den, especially uh, everything that I, I got to do there as part of the staff and their photographer and event planner and, you know, all of that. It, it's, it's sad to see it go. I almost flew down for 24 hours, not even 24 hours, probably a little, like probably about 20 hours to come down for um, the last day that it was, you know, that Sunday where the, when the last dance was, but I chose not to because, you know, I, I needed to focus on work and make sure that I was able to, you know, take care of my stuff here, um, which still made me sad, but I, I did send, uh, I did send Jay to go do a shot in my honor <laughs> on the final day. Just to, you know, just to make sure that at least there was, you know, a redheaded slut ordered for me on the final day that it was open. But uh, it's good to see the the bartenders uh, and some of the performers being absorbed into other locations uh, around town, whether it's been uh, Stonewall or Savoy or Southern slash Dive. Um, you know, it, it's going to be weird going to see some of the faces that I, I know so much from the Parliament House. And have to go to other places to see them. But it'll be nice to still have places to go to. Hopefully when everything is uh, said and done with uh, uh, COVID-19 and, and all of this craziness. Um, in addition to that, that same weekend, Hamburger Mary's here in Chicago closed. Um, they had their last weekend, Halloween weekend. Um, and then tonight, the day that we're recording this, uh, in mid-November... The Atlanta Eagle is having its final um, event uh, yep. as it closes. So uh, 2020 is the year of taking away our gay bars and our uh, our queer night spots. Um, but hopefully, I think their plan is to find another location, um, at least the Atlanta Eagle. I don't think Hamburger Mary's is looking for a new location. Uh, but uh, it looks like the Atlanta Eagles is looking to relocate in 2021. So fingers crossed that they are able to, because I would like to uh, be able to get back to Atlanta and support them uh, once everything is safe to do so. Because um, at least the two locations, not the Chicago one, but the two places that have closed uh, that I've just mentioned are in states where nobody gives a flying fuck and uh, there are very little uh, regulations that are, that are being... Um, mandated so i won't be stepping foot there for a little bit <laughs> until things calm down and uh we get this shit under control uh because chicago is about to go under a uh, stay-at-home advisory starting uh tomorrow from from when we record this we'll already be in it when this comes out but uh yeah it'll be uh, it'll be nice to be able to get back to those places once things are safe enough to do so um actually safely and not just homosexual uh i want to party safe just saying all yeah. right well enough of that <laughs> enough of that sad news for now uh i did want to make sure that we uh we we broached those topics and and talked about those uh to get them out there and uh and 
have a little uh, levity and uh, fun and uh, uh, reminisce a little bit in, in that, or at least, I mean, I reminisce. We could do a whole uh, micro. We could do a micro micro on the Parliament House. I think we should do that for for Patreon. And uh, I'll share fun and salacious stories about the Parliament House. Like those times that Eric would just strip down in the bear Is den. there are salacious stories about the Parliament House? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one or two. Maybe one or two. Hundred. <laughs> thousand. <laughs> one or two hundred thousand salacious stories. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's more accurate. All right, well, let's get into the topics for the month. Um, Eric, I'm going to go to you because, uh, as we all know, podcasting is a visual medium. And uh, because we are recording via Zoom, we can see your background. And I love how your background uh, changes with regard to what the uh, episode is about or what your topic is about. Uh, So why don't you uh, tell our dear listeners uh, what your topic is and then they can imagine what your backdrop is. Sure. So a brand new, um, it's currently called a miniseries. I don't know if they'll do another season of it but uh, the queen's gambit just came out on netflix um, which is a fun show about chess a chess prodigy orphan um it's set in the late 50s to late 60s um, starring anya taylor joy as the lead character um she played magic in the new mutants that was kind of the biggest thing she did before this. But it follows the story of her character, Beth Harmon, who is an orphan, who, uh, while at the orphanage, uh, learns how to play chess from the janitor there. And she is a prodigy and grows up. Uh, and by the end of high school, she's already for the U.S. championship and goes on to finally face uh, the Russians in Moscow. And it's very highly stylized. It reminds me a lot of Mad Men, kind of the feel and environment and some of the cinematography. Uh, it deals with her having to overcome some drug and alcohol dependency that started when she was an orphan because uh, apparently it was common back in the 1950s that in orphanages they gave tranquilizers to the kids kind of keep them under control and she gets addicted to those Um, but it's again it's about chess so I don't know if I would call it exciting it's very entertaining Um, and it's neat how uh, they are able to show the way that she visualizes the game in her head. Does she open up any portals to Limbo while playing chess? Not in this so far. Although she kind of summons down chess pieces from the ceiling. Does she have a soul sword? 
<laughs> she does not. She really doesn't have any weapons of any Have more people watched this than have watched the New Mutants. Definitely. <laughs> Have either of you seen like the trailer or any of the stills? I have not. I, I, I've. What's funny is I've heard a ton of like I've been hearing it on the radio, and like some people at work have been watching it. Which, if you work with the people I work with, you'd be shocked that they'd watch something like this. So, no, I this completely went under my radar, which is weird because usually I pay attention to all sorts of cred. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with kind of sci-fi or fantasy yeah. in any way, but it's kind of it's kind of nerdy in that it's about chess and um, and it just has a good supporting cast. It's Harry Melling plays one of her kind of first big opponents, and he was Dudley Dursley, Dursley back in the oh. Harry wow. Potter movies, and was and was most recently the bad guy in The Old Guard, the Netflix movie, Ryan Chili's Throne. That is the Queen's hmm. Gambit. I'm terrible at chess. I, I love chess as a concept. I'm not very good at it, but I love it, the idea of it. I like chess. I'm not good at strategy in chess. That's like, you know, I, I, I enjoy playing it. I just, if you have any real grasp of maneuvers and like how, like strategy with it, you could absolutely wipe the floor with me, but I do enjoy it. Although every time I kept hearing the Queen's Gambit, I just kept on thinking of uh, Remy Laveau from the X-Men comics and <laughs> has nothing to do with it. But it still made me giggle every time I heard it. Especially because then I figure Rogue would be involved in it somehow. And, you know, I'm a big Rogue fan, so. Oh, of course. Sadly, both Rogue and Gambit have not played much of a role in um, Ten of Swords. So they are they are kind of sitting out uh, this, the, this epic uh, comic series right now, but. Because you know Gambit's getting getting uh getting some love in a, in a Netflix show then. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> At least his name. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Well, that's the Queen's Gambit. That is uh, Netflix, correct? That is. Yes. All right. Very nice. Very nice. So the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Enjoy it. I've uh, I haven't seen it, but I have heard uh, a lot of uh, good things about it. I have seen a lot of my friends on uh, Facebook um, uh, sing the praises of the show. So uh, go check it out. Enjoy it, and uh, yeah, have some fun with it. BJ, what is your topic for this month? So, um. Around Halloween, like I think actually it was the weekend of Halloween, um, a show dropped on Disney Plus called The Owl House, and it was kind of just a little side, um, it was a little animated series, um, that's been on the Disney Channel, uh, for like the past, 
Like it's got like twenty episodes, so it's been go- it's been going for a good little while. I had no idea. Um, the voice cast for this thing is ridiculous. Uh, Sarah Nichols uh, plays uh, um, the main character Luz, and it's pretty much it's like it's like if you got an animated series that literally just does nothing but reference Harry Potter, Willow, like every every fantasy series, Lord of the Rings, every fantasy series that has just like exploded from like the 80s to now. It's insane. And like it and some of it they actually make make fun of uh they'll make fun of Harry Potter a couple times. Um but the interesting thing is it's got uh Alex Hirsch who um, did a ton of voices for um, uh, Gravity Falls? Uh, he's involved with the series, uh, and I think he even—I think he was even like a producer for Gravity Falls. Um, but yeah, he voices a, a character in the show. Um, but it's pretty much about this young girl uh, named Luz, who um, is super weird. Uh, she's a massive weirdo. Um, she creates a book report using live snakes and then proceeds to release them through the school. Um, by accident, of course. Uh, but her mother is sent to the principal's office too many times. So she is going to a camp for kids with overactive, overactive imaginations. So kind of like a, kind of like a think inside, the, the, the pamphlet says think inside the box. Um, so she uh she ends up uh through just random instances ends up in this place called the Boiling Isles um where she meets the witch Ida um who is voiced by uh Wendy Malick um god she's been in everything um Veronica's Closet um she's on, she was on BoJack Horseman um, the ranch, shit. Uh, Grace and Frankie's Mimi. She's, I mean, if you hear her voice, you'll rec- you can literally see her face. She was in Hot in Cleveland. Um, you'll definitely recognize her if you hear her voice. But, uh, but no, so, uh, she ends, Luz ends up meeting Ida and wants to become a witch. Uh, but humans can't do magic. So there's, like, a whole sub-story of why witches can't do magic. Um, there is a... Um, LGBT love story, uh, where they, um, introduce a character named Amity who kind of starts off as the bully, um, but ends up kind of falling for Luz, and it's, it's really cute the way they've kind of, uh, built the story around the two of them. Um, you've got Alex Hirsch who plays Kang, who is the former King of Demons, and he is possibly the most adorable thing on the planet. Um, he's just this little, he looks like a little puppy with a skull over his head. Um, and he's got these bright yellow eyes, but he's super, super fucking cute. Um, and half the time he'll, uh, he makes, he makes something, he goes, Wah! whenever something surprises him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's like Gravity Falls, but with fantasy instead of like sci-fi horror. Um, so this is like fantasy horror, um, kind of like, kind of like Gravity Falls. 
So if you liked Gravity Falls, you're going to absolutely flip for this show because it's got a lot of that same weird, creepy humor. Um, because you've kind of you've got a mentor that's kind of a garbage person, um, <laughs> and Eda Eda the Owl Lady, um, and uh, she sells human wares. You know, which in other words, she sells she sells uh, trash that she finds in the human world. <laughs> she's uh, my favorite is she brings up a little mini television and she's like, "Look at this box that reflects your inner sadness." Um, so. <laughs> It's got little jabs like that. Uh, there's a fairy that Luz meets at the beginning, and she's just like, are you here to give me my magical quest? And she's like, let me eat your skin! Um, so, uh, they, there's a, uh, there's a sport called, uh, Grudgeby, or Grimsby? Grudgeby. Um, and there's a whole episode center around getting good at this sport, and they still lose because one of the characters finds a little golden beetle in the bushes, and she's like, well, that just negates everything we just spent. All this, like, why would you even try to play this sport if the other team can just get this one little gold thing and take all the points? <laughs> so, which is a direct jab at uh, Harry Potter um, Quidditch. So, yeah, no, it's, it, honestly, it's really, really cute. Um, the creator has come out and said that Luce is by. Um, and Amity is a lesbian. Uh, there's a cute little, uh, there's like a prom type episode that's really cute with the two of them. Um, and, uh, there's, there's a, there's a funny video for those of you listening. If you've seen the show, um, there's a funny video on YouTube called, um, Amity being a disaster lesbian for like 10 minutes straight. And it's all of her little weird crushing moments with Luz that are absolutely hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's The Owl House. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the entire first season uh, should be up there right now. Um, and, if, like I said, if you like Gravity Falls, uh, you will absolutely love um, the show. And I really, I really need, I, I, re- I think I need to assault Brian on YouTube, uh, no, not on YouTube, on Messenger, um, so that way I can force him to uh, uh, watch this because uh, apparently Alex Hirsch also um, recently prank called the uh, Trump um, legal yeah. line <laughs> for for uh, voter fraud as Stan Pines and uh, if you haven't heard seen that it's uh, I believe it's up on his Twitter account uh, Alex Hirsch's Twitter account um, you, you definitely don't want to miss that it's absolutely fucking hilarious that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Uh, so you said that's the Owl House? Like, ooh, yes. Ooh, owl? Yep. Awesome. Owl Luckily. House on Disney Plus. <laughs> I had to do the sound effects there just to make sure that I got the point across. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the best part is the, is the best part is like in the show, there's so the house actually, the door knocker is alive and it's called Hootie. And he doesn't even like hoot like an owl. He literally just says the word hoot. And it's the weird, it's like, it's like they're even making fun of the fact that like there's a lot of owl imagery in the show. And it's really, it's a really, like at one point he's, uh, they're like talking to him and he's like, he's like, my first word was hoot. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's like, and my second word was hoot hoot. You want to guess what my third word was? And 
everybody just runs away from him. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely hilarious. That's fantastic. All right, so it's Owl House on Disney Plus. Go check it out if you have it. Uh, for I- I'm sure lots of people, uh, including myself, the uh, the first year of Disney Plus through um, Verizon has now expired. <laughs> so so now we're paying oh. for Disney Plus. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not mad about it though. Um, you know, there, there's some good stuff coming up, so I, I'm, I'm not mad about having to, uh, keep going with, with my Disney plus there. All right, dear listeners, if you are enjoying this or any of the other fine quality programming that is brought to you on the Nerdy Show Network, uh, why not check out our website at flameonshow.com and check out our social media at flameonshow on all of your favorite platforms. Uh, on Mondays, you can catch the live streams of Brian chatting with various LGBTQIA content creators from the world of comics and online streaming, visual effects, and more. Uh, some of those, two of those episodes have already been released as Rainbow Spotlight Microsoft episodes that you can listen to wherever you uh, listen to us as Flame On. But you can catch the episodes live streaming to our Flame On uh, Facebook page and our Flame on YouTube channel. Uh, that is on Monday nights, usually 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So uh, go check those out. Check out our social media and uh, check out our parent network, The Nerdy Show and Omniverse, for more podcasting goodness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, my topic for this month. I had to think long and hard because um, there's not a lot going on right now. We're normally inundated with all of our uh, fall television uh, you know, the Arrowverse stuff on the CW and and all of the crazy, uh, you know, uh, we're gearing up for the winter breaks and, you know, the, the winter finale. Uh, remember back in the day when they didn't do that shit? Remember when, you know, back in my day, youngins, when television just went through and then we took the summer off. Uh, oh, <laughs> the, uh, 
<laughs> the older I get, the 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 more crotchety and uh, Grandpa Simpson I get. It's fine. Uh, old man yells at clouds. But uh, with COVID nineteen having uh, kind of curtailed production on uh, most, if not all, of the different uh, shows out there, there is one that has made its debut uh, the day before Halloween this year. And has brought delightful puppet cuteness back into our homes right when we needed it most. And that is The Child, the star of uh, Disney Plus's misnamed television show, The Mandalorian. Because it really should just be The Baby Yoda Show. Co-starring a man in shiny silver armor. But (laughs) The Mandalorian Season 2 is back. And um, we are in store for, I believe it's eight episodes for the season, either eight or ten episodes uh, running straight through according to their production schedule. There are no weeks off, so we're going to get new episodes every Friday going through until the end of the season, which is very nice. Uh, I have only seen the first two episodes of this season. Episode three dropped uh, just a couple of days before this recording. Um, but I have been, uh, working and then lazy, uh, today especially (laughs) and did not get a chance to watch episode three before, uh, we recorded this episode on uh, Sunday, um, early evening. And, uh, it is definitely leaning into being the space Western. Um, it's, Definitely makes me feel like uh, a very high-budget cousin of Firefly. Um, And they are steering heavily into into the tropes and the imagery of being a Western, which, for the most part, I think works. Um, I have read uh, an article or two about the, uh, the tropes that are still being utilized that are a bit uh are are definitely more on the negative side of the spectrum um especially with the um the sand people the native people of uh oh goodness what is the name of that town eric do you remember it's mose oh i had it just well, it's the planet's tatooine they don't really live in the towns they're kind of the, uh, just in the desert areas. Yeah. Uh, but you're probably thinking Mose Isley. Well, no, Mose Isley was mentioned, but I'm trying to remember um, the town where the sheriff is the the sheriff. Uh, Timothy Oliphant um, shows up in the premiere episode wearing... Uh, well, so Mando is on the hunt for more Mandalorians. And to uh, try to return the child to his people and find out where his people are. That journey leads him to uh, returning to um, the character played by Amy Sedaris, who uh, was a a fun addition in season one. I cannot remember her name. uh, She's got a little droids that help... uh, uh, care for and uh, repair ships and uh, and that like um, and she is definitely it, it's adorable when uh, the child uh, comes out of the ship and she gets all excited and, and picks him up and is all uh, 
excited to see him and that that he's not harmed uh but she helps steer him towards um tatooine and uh mos pelgo that's it mos pelgo uh is a, a section of tatooine not far from uh mos eisley but uh mos pelgo is where mando heads to when he gets there the sheriff uh comes in wearing mandalorian armor that anybody who has seen the original trilogy is aware of and it's the boba fett armor even i knew that and i you know i'm not like i've only seen <laughs> the movies once and that was way after they had come out but i was like wait a minute i know this armor and uh timothy oliphant is introduced as cobb vanth the uh the sheriff of um most pelgo and the only way that he will give up the armor is if mando helps get rid of um the uh the crate dragon that is there uh which then leads them to having to team up with the uh the sand people that are um kind of the the natives to the area uh there's a lot of ridiculous uh special effects that go <laughs> into this and um the the big kind of piece that there are two articles that i i saw that were uh both a pro and a con for the premiere episode the pro was that um because these natives um are basically uh use sign language to communicate uh they actually involved uh an actual uh hearing impaired uh individual to help ensure that the sign language uh interpreting was um as accurate or you know was was more accurate and in, in kind of utilizing people that that have a a real understanding and knowledge of of being able to communicate with sign language which was a great thing you want that kind of uh accessibility and, and visibility and uh utilizing that type of um uh, you know feedback and partnership with people that are are not always included when things like this uh are presented in media the other uh, article that i read in regards to this premiere episode um talks about the trope of uh in westerns especially where the natives are kind of treated as uh lesser or co- uh, cannon fodder i should say where um the the sand people when they go to when they're dealing with the crate dragon at first and they bring this like big elephant like you know creature to go feed it and the dragon eats the uh the sand person and it's kind of just shrugged off and then when they um need reinforcements they are kind of uh mando volunteers the people of uh, most pelgo and when this big kerfuffle happens and things don't go the way that that they expect it to um there's a lot of carnage and in uh in repeated viewings and, and kind of slowing it down um about 75 percent of the casualties during that are the sand people and it's kind of putting the you know um the way that american western movies of the the 50s and 60s were the the natives were just the cannon fodder and they weren't really cared about in that respect so it while seeing some good things come out of it it's it's not great to see that some of these tropes are still uh surviving and and 
being prevalent in 2020 in media. Um, So it's definitely in in going back and looking uh, and and thinking back on the episode, I I can understand that. And hopefully things will change and things like this will get called out. And it wasn't in a uh, like, oh, my God, boycott the Mandalorian. It's more of a, hey, maybe this shouldn't still be going on type of uh, tone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, we get to the second episode called The Passenger, where uh, Amy Sedaris' character um, links Mando up with uh, this frog woman to uh, take her back to her home planet and her her husband to fertilize her eggs uh, because these are the last eggs that she will have and it's the end of their line and... uh, it, it becomes this slow, uh, this slow journey because they can't uh, hyperdrive or, or hyperspeed the the uh, the ship, which then leads to all sorts of antics, including um, the child eating some of the eggs <laughs> out of the container, um, which we'll get back to in a second. Uh, it also leads to uh, the. Uh, the Federation uh, ships being involved and kind of getting a little bit tying, tying this more so into uh, the end of the original trilogy with the uh, resistance coming out on top and the empire being taken down. Um, It finally kind of brings some of the, like the Federation troops in and gives it a little bit of that tie to the movies properly. Uh, And then uh, they end up crash landing on this like ice planet and uh the somebody on my my facebook timeline kind of was was saying that they hoped that episode three was less jar jar than uh than episode two was (laughs) because this frog woman speaks in a in a dialect that isn't english but i thought it was really kind of cool and awesome to see them utilize like she ends up jerry-rigging this machine to be able to like have it decipher her language into English for Mando so she can reiterate or or not even reiterate but just really drive home the point of how important this this is to her to get back to the planet get to her husband because you know this is the only chance that she'll have to be able to make sure that her line continues on um and then they when they're on the the when they after they crash and she goes and finds a hot spring, it then leads to uh, the child getting into more mischief and breaking open more eggs and eating spiders that then cause it to turn into a. Uh, it reminded me of Resident Evil Code Veronica, and if you've ever played Code Veronica, there's the one uh, section where there's like ice on the ground and a walkway around it. Oh, around the edge yeah. of the room and as you go to leave the camera all of a sudden pans up to the ceiling and there's a giant spider that drops down and you fight it and that's exactly what this reminded me of except there were a lot more <laughs> spiders most of them were small but then there was i think it i think it was two giant spiders that were chasing after them as they then run back to the ship and do all of this um and then the episode ends with uh, the child eating another egg, even though he was uh, strictly reprimanded by Mando from eating the eggs. Which has led into uh, many a think piece and a debate article 
about the child eating these eggs and um, what it means for the show and and kind of all of that. Uh, BJ, I know that you've mentioned Eggate. Uh, what have you read about uh, about this episode and the eggs? Um, it's it's funny because like I remember when they first introduced the child that it was like he could literally do no wrong and everybody loved them and and then like it was funny because I've only well, I have I've literally like right at the end of the first season because since I know they're releasing it episodic I've kind of like when they when they release stuff like that I kind of hold back so I can just kind of binge in large chunks. But, like, people were, like, there was, there was, like, a handful of people on Twitter. And it was, it wasn't, like, a lot. It, but it was, it was enough to, to get their attention that, like, when he did that, he effectively committed genocide. And, like, it, 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 it caused a weird sort of shift in how people view the child. Um, and in my head, I'm like, if it had been a dog, you would have been, like, watch your dog so it's it's just one of those things where just it was i think at the time people people were just looking to be mad at something else other than everything else um but it's kind of chilled out i think since our uh our wonderful um election news has kind of hit um i haven't heard much about it anymore but i know the the initial reaction was like oh my god <laughs> And I'm like, it's a kid. He's got to eat randoms, whatever's put in front of him. Well, exactly. I mean, they kind of started that in in season one with the frog, or with the oh, frogs, yeah. uh, I should say, as he, you know, he ate the one, and then you know, trying to um, catch the other it, one. It's kind of reminiscent. Yeah, kind of reminiscent of uh, was it Baby Groot? Didn't wasn't there something yeah. with him, and he kept on trying to eat something, and they had to keep uh, like stopping him from doing that. Um, yeah. The yeah, I, I've seen both both sides of uh, of it being argued of genocide versus well, they were unfertilized, and I mean it's like when we eat eggs, you know, now like if so, it, it's definitely been been uh, an interesting seeing both sides of of uh, the argument there. Eric, what are what have your thoughts been about uh, Mandalorian season two and uh, Eggate? I like the two episodes I saw as far as uh, Eggate is concerned I found it kind of disturbing um, because I know it's an unfertilized egg so it's not so much yes it's be compared to a chicken egg that we eat that there's no actual fetus in it it's not technically a baby but it's not really a chicken egg because this is the last of a line of creature and should be kind of better kept safe than just in something that a little baby can open and right so the kind of fact that they played it up multiple times for laughs like if they had just done it one time and then maybe had the Mando hit his hand away when he was reaching for it in the hot spring, you know? Okay, but multiple times they went back to him eating more and more eggs. I was like, there's not going to be any legs left. He ate a lot of eggs. 
I mean, they only showed two, though, right? Because they showed the original. But it implied that he had eaten more. Yeah. She would have had to have noticed it in the the hot springs. Because, I mean, she took them out. So, like, I, yeah, I don't know. And based on how many there were, I'm sure it's a situation where a lot of them don't survive even after they're fertilized anyways. So maybe she thought, eh, they're already being thinned out. At least there's some left. Uh, get a Finding Nemo situation. Um, but I didn't find a lot of humor in it. Because I was kind of shocked that of what it stood for in that it was this last line for this creature. Yeah, and I mean, they, they I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I missed it cuz at first I at first it seemed like they were saying it was the last of this entire species. And then when she configured the um the droid to be able to communicate with Mando, the dialogue made it sound more like it was the last of her eggs. So it was kind of like um, if if a woman went to a um, went and had her eggs frozen because she was like, oh, okay, I only have this many or, or whatever, like before, knowing that this was her last chance to have a child. So I'm mean, not that either one really, like one is worse than the other per se, but if it's the last of an entire species... I feel like there's more implication there if it's the last of her ability to have any more, like, have children. It's definitely, it's almost like a more personal thing. Um, So, yeah, it it was kind of, it was kind of weird to make it such a punchline. It's still adorable to watch, (laughs) which was tough because, like, you may not necessarily agree with it, but goddamn that that puppet is adorable. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, it was certainly in character <laughs> for Baby Yoda to do that. Yes. And I didn't find fault in that because it definitely that character would have totally done that. I I just it was just kind of horrifying to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, for me, yeah, it's it's tough because you know kids will will eat whatever they can get their hands on, especially if it's tasty to them. They'll they'll keep wanting kids to eat it. Kids will be kids. I feel like the I feel like the point though of that was the fact that it's the Mandal the Mandalorian does not go anywhere nice. Like he's a bounty hunter, normally, before all this. So like the idea that somebody it's it's not so much the fact that we know the Mandalorian is dangerous. We know that he, the people he hangs out with are dangerous. The child is fucking dangerous as shit. And it's one of those things where I feel like that that scene actually was kind of supposed to bring us back to that reality because like he's, he's force sensitive. He can fucking like use the force to choke somebody the fuck out. And he's, even though he's 50 years old, he's still a child. So like, you think that it's he's the Mandalorian's trying to get him home, which is great, but at the same time, how exactly is this child going to end up when he does get home? 
like, he's growing up around, effectively, a bounty hunter, and, like, we've seen, we've seen instances where the child has no problem fucking murdering somebody. Like, let's be clear, he does not. <laughs> so, yes, he's Or at least trying and then, and then falling asleep. Yeah. Afterwards he's, from exhaustion. Exactly. He's super, super cute. And that's something I've noticed that if, let's say the Earth was fucking invaded tomorrow by super deadly aliens that are like, I'm going to fucking kill you, but they look super adorable. They're going to fucking kill us because culturally, we, people can't not separate harmless from cute. So I think part of the reason some, some people found it disturbing or weird is the fact that the child's just cute, but he's fucking deadly as shit. And I feel like even the characters forget that. Like, the characters are just like, look at this yeah, little baby. And, yeah, and I, I've seen people um, commenting and, and wondering if it, it's going to kind of show a, a darker turn for the child versus, you know, what we all expect Yoda, you know, like, yeah. And that, that goes to Eric's point before with, you know, something putting the eggs in something uh, more secure, but the child uses the force semi-regularly. Like, I'm pretty sure there's not much that would have been able to stop him from getting in there had he wanted to get in there. And then, yes, he is a 50-year-old child, much like many men that I've tried to date in my life. (laughs) Sorry, I've been waiting to I've been waiting for that joke the entire time you were talking, BJ. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. I try, I try. Um but yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting. Um uh was it Ashoka is gonna be coming into the series uh soon, played by Rosario Dawson. Um I did not watch any of the uh was the Clone Wars, is that where she's from? Yeah, uh, she was introduced in Clone Wars. She was uh, Anakin's Padawan. Okay, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how she fits into the show and um, where the show is going to go from there. So that's coming out every Friday. New episodes drop on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so if you are not watching and uh, you are a fan of Star Wars, then uh, what are you waiting for? Go out and watch it. Uh, season one is completely up and streaming on Disney Plus. We are three episodes into season two. By the time this comes out, uh, episode four or a uh, chapter nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Chapter twelve because eight episodes per season. So uh, chapter twelve will be uh, will drop the same day this episode comes out. So uh, get yourself caught up on the Mandalorian season two. All right. We have made it to uh, the portion of our episode that we discuss the things that are giving us life. Life, 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 for this <laughs> month. <laughs> I was trying to do my own fade out and, you know, just really fade it out. Uh, BJ... <laughs> Why don't we go to you first, since Eric started us up last time. Why don't you tell us what your one-up is? Because I'm pretty sure you're super excited about it. I am. So, um, as you, I mean, I know podcast is a visual medium. 
But for those of you in the Zoom chat, you can see my PlayStation 4 is sitting here on my bed. Um, I was like, the, the one that's going in a box and being shipped to me in Chicago? Cool, thanks. <laughs> you you didn't... <laughs> hey! Um, but, uh, no, so, um, Thursday, um, the PS5 came out, and through, this has been a really, this has been a whirlwind. So, first, I paid off my car, um, but for whatever reason, my bank did, would not switch to text notifications, so I paid two car payments extra after I had paid off my car. Um, because I know it takes a forever to send letter mail. Um, so the good news is I got the letter saying I had paid off my car, and I had also gotten a second letter that had the check for the extra payments, uh, which conveniently were enough to uh, buy a PlayStation 5. Um, I thought I had missed my chance to get one because of the the rollout was, su- was super fucking messy. Um but I follow a Twitter account that gives uh, last-minute information on pre-orders. So by uh, by pure accident, I was able to get one. Uh, it was delivered 10 a.m. Thursday, um, and she is a thick boy. That is a thick boy fucking system. That is thick with three C's. Like, not even joking. Um, I... Okay, this is this system is overkill. In all honesty, all they could have done was release the DualSense controller with hookup ability for the PS4, and that's it. They would have won, because uh, the controller is by far the most interesting and coolest thing of this new system. Um, it The only way I can really describe it is a normal controller will vibrate at varying degrees of intensity, depending on what's happening in the game. This one will vibrate in specific areas. Like, I'm playing Spider-Man Miles Morales. If he throws out a web line with a different hand, you feel it on that side of the controller in a small area versus, like, just half of the controller. It's it's very pinpoint and really, really interesting. The sound on it's incredible. Um, I don't have a 4K TV yet. Um, I say yet because Black Friday is just uh, two weeks away, and I have I'm already looking at the 4K model version of the current TV I have, uh, which hopefully should be 190, and I can afford it. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting. I uh, I normally don't get gaming systems on day one. Um, I got a PlayStation Three on like I think the I, I got the PlayStation Three. I want to say a year and a half before the PlayStation 4 came out. And I got a PlayStation 4 about a year into it coming out. And just getting a uh, system a year out, like when I first got my PlayStation 4, it didn't even, it wouldn't, it didn't take external SSDs. Um, it didn't have half of the streaming apps that it had that has now. Um, it's, it was, it was weird. It was weird. So, I took it upon myself since I had the extra cash lying around and it was something I was really thinking about getting. I wanted to get this with the idea of like, how is this going to go? How is this going to expand over the next two, three years? Because I'm a nerd and despite the fact that it could just explode on me any day um, and break itself, I decided, I was like, you know, let's give this a shot. Um, So 
those of you listening, if you haven't gotten one, uh, this will be my my formal review. Um, so the system is very heavy and very very long. Um, so if your entertainment center can handle it, um, length uh handle what is it horizontal, not horizontal, vertical. <laughs> I made a scene geometry. Um, if the system can handle being, if your entertainment center can handle it being vertical, I would say go for that. Um, if you have a wired or Wi-Fi connection, do not delete your PS4 information. It will transfer everything over to the PS5. Um, as long as you have it on and logged into your uh, PlayStation account. Or you can connect it via a LAN cable, um, or you can move everything to a SSD. Um, with, in regards to SSDs, right now, um, only PS4 games can be put on the uh, external hard drive and played that way. Um, if you have downloaded a lot of games, as I have, make sure you do not upload all your PS4 games to the PlayStation 5 system because it, uh, you only have 675 gigs of usable space. Um, when I checked how much data I had on my SSD, I have 574 uh, gigs of use, uh, usable space of used space on my external hard drive. So if I had transferred all of that stuff over, uh, my hard drive would have been 90% full, and I wouldn't have even started playing a game. Um, as far as PS5 games go, I got Spider-Man Miles Morales. I will definitely be talking about that on our next, uh, once I've beaten it and everything. I'll definitely be talking about that on our next uh, podcast recording. Uh, I have downloaded Bug Snacks. That is the first free PlayStation Plus game. Um, and as well as that, they also have 10 PS4 titles for free, uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, that are for, that are available for the PS5, and I think all those games have PS5 upscaling. Um, if you have a PS4, listen very closely, if you have a PS4 and a PS5, or you know somebody with a PS5, uh, and you can log into your PlayStation Plus account... You can download those PS4 games onto your into your library on the PS5, and they will be made available on your PS4. Um, but the uh, the PlayStation Plus collection is what it's called, and it's the new God of War, uh, Persona Five, uh, Monster World, uh, Monster Hunter World. I've never played a Monster Hunter game, but I've got one for free now. Um, and uh, I think Battlefield, uh, Battlefield, um, and a host of other. Uh, it's it's like the best of uh, PlayStation Four kind of collection, um, and that is available, I believe, till the either the end of. I believe it's available till the end of November. Um, and as far as glitches go, uh, the only thing I've been able to confirm on my end is if you. Have your SSD plugged into the back. It needs to be plugged into one of the high-speed ports. Uh, if you have your SSD plugged in while you are playing a disc PS5 game, um, your system will crash. And uh, what has happened is they did... So when I first started out my PS5, 
it did ask if I had a SSD with my PlayStation 4 data. I did. I plugged it in. Uh, it updated the games. It, re- it made sure the licenses were on my, my PlayStation 5. However, that is the as far as the SSD support has gone. Um, they kind of rolled out the uh, external hard drive support really quick. Which, with the PlayStation 4, that shit took them three years. So, um, if you have a PlayStation 5, and you are getting an issue with your PlayStation 5 crashing while you're playing a PlayStation 5 game, I recommend that you just unplug your SSD while you're playing a PlayStation 5 game. Uh, Because as of right now, you can't download download, uh, PS5 games to an SSD. And if you're like me and super impatient and want to play Miles Morales more than any of your other games that you now have access to, I would just do that. Um, and uh, so other than that, um, setting up the system is scary easy and a little bit HAL 5000-ish. Uh, when I started it up, a robotic voice told me if I had a P- PlayStation 5 disc to insert it then so it could it could download the game information while you were setting up your account. Um, I was not emotionally prepared for the system to speak at me directly uh, upon starting it up. Um, other than that, it's, it's... What we're about to see is a massive change in how video games are played, not just uh, due to the PlayStation 5, but the Xbox Series X uh, and PC gaming, uh, because... With uh, solid-state drives, it's... I have no load times. None. At all. Um, And I don't think... If you've never experienced that, like, in a modern game, you will fly through a game significantly faster. Um, I'm very excited to play some of my older PlayStation 4 games that had really long times, like load times, like uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 had some big load times when you were getting into certain areas. Um, yeah, uh, developers are either going to have a really fun time adding in extra content to fill out games, or they're going to have a nightmare time trying to figure out extra content. So their game, because I feel like this will make a game go from, like, let's say Kingdom Hearts, I think was about 20 hours of playtime without load times. That will easily drop to almost 15. So... Playtime in games is about to increase exponentially um, and absurdly, uh, and you're not—it's not, not going to be glitchy. You're like you're not going to have people slowly loading in the background. There's just people there. Um, I do remember when I played Spider-Man, Spider-Man on the PS4. There were times where I'd land on a roof and I'd hear people talking, but there'd be nobody around. And then I and then I move the camera, and all of a sudden there's people everywhere, and I'm like, oh. Um, so this will be, like, I really want to play a game that's really heavy on, like, background stuff like uh, Dead Rising or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be super interesting. I'm very excited to uh, fiddle with it more. Um, and also, uh, if, you have, if you still have your PS4, they have snuck a um, remote play uh, application onto the PS4. And I transferred over my settings from my PS4, which is why it's on my bed. I had it hooked up to my uh, my um, my monitor so I could do all that stuff. There is almost no... I have a wired connection, 
So having a PlayStation 4 and a PlayStation 5 on a wired connection and doing cross-play or uh, remote play, it's insane. Um, because when it was transferring data, I didn't even have to walk into the other room. I could just hear my PlayStation 4 beep. And my PS5 would be like, oh, data's transferring. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? I just hit okay. What What do you mean? Like, it's... So it's, it's we are, uh, as a... Uh, as the uh, epilogue series of Steven Universe likes to say, uh, we are in the future. Uh, right now, it is happening, and I'm uh, I'm very excited to see what uh, the PS5's got in it. Nice, nice. So um, you could just box up that PlayStation Four, address <laughs> it to Pat O'Rourke. <laughs> I had a- I think I had asked you on the podcast. <laughs> If you wanted it, uh, you were like, I'm just going to get a PS5. You didn't ask if I wanted to. You said that you would sell it to me. And then I said <laughs> I would probably end up just getting a PS5. But honestly, if uh, my my thing is, uh, at this point, a PS5 is probably out of range for a while. So if I can find a, uh, if I can find a cheap used PS4... Um, that'll probably be my, my, my next venture into trying to replace the things that I lost in this move. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of months. Oh, oh, one more thing. When I went to go pick up, uh, and this is for every, everybody listening, every nerd whose ears I can reach, I need y'all to be, I need y'all, I understand we have been going through a thing. It's been stressful. Good things are happening in the world right now. But I need y'all to check y'all's privilege and understand that the mail fucks up. Because when I went to go pick up my copy of Spider-Man Miles Morales, the GameStop that I go to, um, they were given six out of their 20, 28 pre-orders by FedEx. FedEx just did not bring them. Um, and so everybody was fairly understanding. Uh, however, one guy decided to get up there and act a fool and not understand that if FedEx says they're coming, but doesn't bring them, the store has no real control over that. Now, if the store didn't ask about them or anything, then that's on the store. But the store did, in fact, contact FedEx and FedEx, you know, was like, we'll get the They will be there early in the morning the next day. Uh, this gentleman did not understand it. I did film him and I put it on TikTok. So, just so y'all know, if you act a fool in public, I will film you, and I will put it on TikTok for everybody to see. Um, but just understand that the mail, uh, you know, the mail is not foolproof. Oh my god, who do I sound? Oh my god, I sound like Trump. Um, but just know that the mail can fuck up in this regard. Uh, and everybody at GameStop, everybody that works at GameStop, that shit's rough. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I wanted to work at GameStop. Hell no. Um, so just so everybody listening knows that people at your local GameStop are trying to get their systems out to you. Um, if Amazon has screwed up, just know your system will get to you. And if it doesn't, you will be getting a refund. I'm almost 100% sure Amazon is refunding people who they've screwed over. But let's all let's all keep the good vibes going, please. And, and just be patient. Now I sound like Papa Joe. I'm okay there. (laughs) (laughs) 
Your your PS5 well, system that. is being counted. Be patient. <laughs> I need to certify the count. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. <laughs> yes. Well, that is good to hear about the PS5. Um, and I am proud of myself for not um, throwing in the dirty jokes in uh, in all of that with uh, uh, when you were talking about it being uh, long and thick and uh, not sure if the nightstand could take it and um, and talking about uh, the load times that you've had. But uh, anywho. <laughs> Nobody Eric, else will be getting that, that kind of that kind of uh, grace period from me. I will be going right into the jokes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Eric, what is uh, your one up for this month? So it's another Netflix show um, that just recently came out. Uh, this is an animated show called The Blood of Zeus. As someone who's enjoyed Greek mythology all growing up and read the Percy Jackson books and all that, this was a fun watch for me. They frame it as a lost story of Greek mythology, um, but it's centered around a demigod who is the son of Zeus and a human mother. Um, he's kind of the central character uh, in a war between uh, the gods and the giants. It's very stylized animation. Kind of reminds me of the video game that just came out called Hades. Oh, it, it actually uh, it looks like the same animation company that does um, Castlevania. Yeah, it's also similar to Castlevania a lot uh, in the animation style. Uh, but I like that it was set back in ancient Greece. It was a pretty quick watch. It's seven half-hour episodes. No, eight half-hour episodes. But it's pretty good. It has good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Good voice cast. I didn't recognize many of the names of it, but they all sounded good. I'll have to check that out. It might be the... Um, it might, they might have some um, similarities with the voice cast um, uh, uh, for Castlevania. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. So if you enjoy Greek mythology at all, I would say check it out. So if you're a homosexual in your uh, mid to late 30s, then you'll be set. Because <laughs> I feel like that's just a... Uh, I, I there Somebody had a joke about that where it was like... Uh, it was one of those... Uh, uh, were you, you know, like, were you a fan of Greek mythology in, in school, or are you a heterosexual? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like one of those types of things, where it's like, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I'm right in that same boat with you, Eric. So I will, uh, I will have to check that out, especially now that I'm catching up on uh, some of the other shows. Like I finally watched um, all of Lovecraft Country and got myself caught up on that. Uh, I didn't realize how like. Um, alien and spaceshipy, it got like so early. Oh yeah, and how long it like, and how that like kind of played through everything. 
uh, from from you know kind of early on in the season all the way through to the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even though you guys talked about it, I guess I I didn't really. I know y'all had chatted about it and and kind of brought it up, but I guess I didn't realize how much it was going to play into all of that and the uh, the time travel and and all that craziness. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm kind of getting myself caught up on all all of those shows. Uh, I watched. I finished watching Hellstrom. Ooh, that was a thing. Yeah, I I was gonna oh. say that Hellstrom is the is the last non uh, Marvel Studios run TV show. Yeah, Hellstrom was the last. Uh, I brought it up uh, on the last. Um, uh, roundup episode uh that you set out bj but yeah i mentioned uh having watched the first episode and it was kind of so swept under the rug as being uh marvel tv yeah that it barely even says marvel television oh, yeah. aside from like right at the like towards the end of the the credit sequence where it's like you know or at the beginning where it's like and marvel television yeah <laughs> so it uh it it wasn't great. I, <laughs> it wasn't I great. liked it. Did you watch all of it? It I oh, did. Okay. I did. I watched uh all whatever 10 episodes of uh of it. And from what I had read a uh, friend of the show uh Jay Abbott had uh posted about it and uh, had said that there was uh there was talk about the fact that it the cast and crew and the the creators and like everybody that involved knew that the show wasn't being renewed like that it was kind of being abandoned mid project so the fact that they ended it on a cliffhanger was kind of ridiculous cuz they knew there was no going to be no resolution for it <laughs> well it was weird it's like the whole project it probably they probably did it out of spite I mean, that, right? that's true i mean it's it's weird because they took what effectively they took such a a weird marvel property Cause like Damien pops up and Damien pops up in Doctor Strange as like as kind of like a, a good guy and he's he's always there on the periphery, but uh, Anna is a straight up Doctor Strange villain. Like Satana is, I I mean she's been used recently in in Doctor Strange a couple times as like a as a major Doctor Strange villain. So. It was it was weird because honestly, if they hadn't have had that little stinger at the end, like Marvel part of Marvel TV or something, you could have almost just had this as a regular, random horror themed series, and just like so it was it was really it was weird, but I like I I guess I want to say is I like the attempt I prefer I like this attempt at Marvel horror. Better than I liked the attempt at horror with New Mutants. Yeah, and I I was sad that they didn't refer to her as Satan. Yes, I I was hoping for um, at least a little touch on it. Yeah, I get I get not referring to like referring to her as Anna in like most human related yeah. stuff. Um, but I I really wish there would have at least been some reference and calling her Satana even like towards the end. Um. You could definitely tell that she was the less uh, empathetic uh, character in the entire thing, and I, I I didn't always like her. Yeah. In the like throughout the show, which I guess you're not supposed to 
like her a hundred percent. Well, I would have been I would have been actually happier if they didn't give her any kind of redemption. If they if they literally just kind of left her as this like the best you can hope for is that I don't murder good people. Like if yeah. they had kind of left her there, and I would have actually enjoyed it. Now, if it had gotten a second season, I would have loved to have seen her kind of fall in, into this Satana sort of role. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as since it's only getting one season, but um, I, I believe they had some. They had a lot of interesting stuff they could have done with the show. Um, and I would, I would really like. Uh, I would really, I really hope. Uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. I really hope they do lean more into the horror aspect a bit more, um, yeah. because I think I think it's something that they can that they can do, um, and we'll see if the like the major studio uh, can pull it off. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a very interesting uh, show. Yeah, yeah, it it. it, it... It was it was an attempt. It was an attempt. Uh, yeah, I, I some of it was just very odd to me, but you know that, that's what happens. It was supposed to be part of a uh, not not so much interconnected, but they were going to do um, kind of like that Marvel horror uh, side where they were going to do stuff with uh, I think like with Ghost Rider oh, yeah. and Hellstrom and kind of that that like uh, underworld like hell version of kind of like their connected stories where it was not necessarily all together but kind of bundled in into this like yeah. this section of, of stuff. Uh, but now not so much because Marvel Television um, was disbanded and now it's all part of uh, uh, all falls underneath uh, Marvel Studios. Um. But that's uh, Blood of Zeus. You said was the uh, was your one up here because we just hijacked the rest of that conversation. <laughs> yep, Blood of Zeus on uh, on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, to check that out. Uh, for my one up, I uh, I don't, there's not much to it, but we now have uh, a January 2021 uh, release date for WandaVision. Oh, uh, after them saying and and repeatedly saying and still even more so saying that it was going to be a 2020 release, uh, Disney just uh, put out a, within the last week put out a uh, a bit more information and and have uh, stated that January of uh, 2021, January 15th, 2021. That's right. I was going to say, I knew that we got a date with it, which is what cemented it, as opposed to just December of 2020. January 15th. So just a few days before the inauguration, we will have WandaVision on our television screens through uh, Marvel at Disney+. Plus. I am stoked for this. I know uh, our castmate Oral is super excited about it. Oh my god. I love uh, I love the fact that they are utilizing um, a bit of Tom King's run uh, for of the vision as kind of like the um, the premise of the show, even though the vision doesn't feature uh, Wanda. It's uh, vision having created a family for himself uh, with a, a, a 
uh, synthetic android wife and two children. Um, and it, it's really kind of a, a dark mystery type of, uh, of scenario around everything. If you haven't read The Vision by Tom King, go read it. Like if you are if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, maybe not a huge uh, comic reader, do yourself a favor and go read the Vision. It is a fantastic twelve issue um, limited series run, so good, so 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 good. And uh, Vision tries to have his his you know day job as an Avenger and working in DC, and they're living in the suburbs outside of uh, uh, outside of DC in Virginia and it's just ridiculous it's fantastic and when they were saying that that's kind of going to be the premise the the initial kind of setting or or um you know kind of overall thing for wandavision i was hooked right then and there watching the kind of reality bending of the different sitcom uh worlds for for them and seeing like the black and white and doing all of these uh different little like cutaway scenes and uh it looks like they're going to be celebrating halloween at one point because in true marvel fashion you know how they like to uh introduce vintage comics accurate uh costumes as uh throwaway gags and it looks like we get this again in uh in this with uh wanda's uh, throwback costume being featured in the the original like first teaser trailer uh, which was kind of one of the biggest things I really hope that they find a way to do the modern take on like her headdress and like all this if if Wanda really adopts the Scarlet Witch um, name and, and appearance and they incorporate a costume with it I will be in heaven and I know Oral will do a dance of joy <laughs> completely for uh, for for seeing a costume, uh, you know, an intricate costume like that. And then on top of that, it looks like House of M uh, will be kind of a bit of how the story is shaped, uh, based off of Wanda losing control of her powers and and bending reality and warping it, which will probably lend itself to why it goes from. Um, you know, black and white to color and all these different kind of uh, spectrums of of classic American sitcom uh, or, or, you know, television shows. Uh, more than likely, we're going to be introduced to Wanda and Vision's children uh, without them being, uh, you know, Mephisto's soul and, and him killing them to take back parts of his soul and all of those crazy bits. Um, but there's also talk that Evan uh, Evan Peters uh, is going to be or has been cast in the show. Uh, there's talk about the kids referencing an uncle. Uh, so whether or not we get um, the MCU version of Quicksilver, the Fox version of Quicksilver, both of them. Uh, but we know that it is going to tie into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So there is going to be reality warping and... Um, and more than just one universe being involved in this. So it'll be very interesting to watch. I'm super excited that we finally have a concrete date. Again, this is 2020. Things have changed. Things have happened. Um, so, I'm again, I'm cautiously optimistic about January 15th. 
and having it premiere. Um, but that is at the time of this recording, the premiere date for WandaVision on Disney Plus is January 15th, 2021. And I know that that announcement gave me life and now I'm sharing it all with you. <laughs> all, all right, dear listeners, we appreciate you hanging out with us and chatting about uh, the month of pop culture, uh, the highs and the lows of uh, the past couple of weeks here uh, in our world. And uh, we look forward to seeing what the next month has in store for us. Uh, just a quick thing. I know that the holidays are coming up and I'm not going to get uh, too, too, too preachy. But coronavirus, COVID cases are spiking across the U.S. Um, We are at almost 200,000 new cases a day. Um, Just a week or so ago, I think it was roughly about a week, we had reported 100,000 new cases in a day, uh, which was the highest um, since the the first real kind of uh, landfall of the pandemic here in the States. And then not a week later, we are uh, we reported 185,000 cases, and we're just inching closer and closer to 200,000 cases a day or more, which only means that more people are going to die. Um, and a lot of this, a lot of times, it's needless. There is uh, no if we all work together, we do our part. We don't gather in large groups. We don't bounce around from group to group to group. We wear a mask, we wash our hands, we um, try to do things to just help our fellow uh, brethren out in this world, um, then we can get through this and try to minimize the damage uh, that has already been done and that is happening. You know, seeing uh, the the quote-unquote million MAGA march yesterday and just seeing so many people um that don't believe in science and don't believe in in trying to take care of each other out in the streets um it's it's disheartening um and i know that there are places out there that don't have strict mandates on things i know that some businesses are are being better than others about doing it uh about having mandates and and all of that but you know as much as i i want to see people be able to make a living and and do everything that they can to to survive and i do and i'm right there with everybody um and because our government is not taking care of us right now to be able to try to stay at home and and do things to to try to curb the spread it's up to us as people to uh limit our exposure limit the amount of uh, other people that were around uh, with Thanksgiving coming up and obviously, you know, uh, the the winter holidays, uh, think about not going and, and going to celebrations or doing things. You know, I would give anything to have a, uh, a, a trim my bush party this year. You know, my first one in Chicago, uh, but that's it's not a thing. It's not something that's going to be possible this year. And I would rather... Uh, skip a year of doing stuff like this and be able to have many more years to be able to do with people rather than um, say oh well we can still do this it doesn't matter and then have people get sick and and not make it through so think about it be very cautious be careful about what you're um, opening yourself up to and uh, the the position you're putting yourself and others into for that so be safe out there please and uh and and let's make it through the the end of this year uh things seem to be in some respects 
turning a corner from the craziness of the beginning of the year. So let's uh, try to curb the spread and, and continue to make those positive things the accent point at the end of 2020. With that, uh, with my sermon now being done, I will uh, bid you all adieu. And uh, until we meet again in two weeks, we'll have another uh, Microsoft come out. And uh, next month, we'll be back with more uh, pop culture goodness to share with you. BJ will have more to talk about on uh, Miles Morales uh, yes! for the PS5. Yes! Maybe, <laughs> maybe I will uh, have gotten some more uh, things to replace uh, the stuff I've lost in my move. And uh, maybe Eric will have another fantastic uh, background to go with whatever his topic will be for next month so until then dear listeners uh you know what bobby bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 